This is the Roden Fellows Podcast. Capital One is a proud partner of the Roden Fellows Program, which provides opportunities to aspiring sports journalists from historically Black colleges and universities to produce content, including this podcast, throughout the year. Capital One supports this program as part of their larger commitment to the advancement of students from HBCUs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third Roden Fellows podcast from the seventh class of fellows. I'm your host, Lawrence Goss, a broadcast journalism student at the Florida A&M University, home of the Rattlers. And today I have the pleasure of being joined again by my two other peer Roden Fellows, Takir and Cameron, and I will let them introduce themselves. Hi, everyone. My name is Takir George. I'm a senior English major TV and film minor from the Howard University. I'm Cameron Jackson, um, a senior multimedia journalism major from PG County, Maryland. Today we are we have two special guests with us. One, the, obviously, Mr. Roden, the founder, creator, the extravagant, everything you know, positive under the sun in terms of sports journalism. <laughs> we have Mr. Roden with us and also we have Mr. Jean-Jacques Taylor, a graduate of Dallas Skyline High School. He's spent numerous years at the Dallas Morning News. He's covered 25 Super Bowls, two World Series, two NBA Finals, a Stanley Cup Finals, the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver, and the list goes on and on. So if you could just come on and just introduce yourselves a little bit more to the viewers. Age before beauty. <laughs> oh well, no, I, I'm you know I'm I'm just riding. I'm just a passerby, man. The big the big guess is uh, is you, man. Um, uh, you know, I think one one of the things that um, that they didn't say, JT, is you also went to the Ohio State University. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, you by, you bypassed the HBCU, but that's okay. You know, that's that's all right. Hey you hey know? hey hey! My mom went to Fisk, and my okay. dad went to Tennessee State. So I got oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. But anyway, man, it's great having you on the show. You know, we go back. I mean, you reminded me that uh, Lawrence, don't let me hijack this show now. Ah, uh, yeah. But, but that's that's the problem. When you get two old heads, man, you know, <laughs> ain't no telling what's gonna happen. We start telling war stories. <laughs> exactly. But, but 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 we met, uh, and you reminded me, man. You know, we, JJT and I met in 1987. I think uh, you said that you were in, think, right, 87, 88? I think it was 88. As I think about it, I think it was 88. 88, which is still a hell of a long time ago. Uh, right, before right. I think, before anybody on this show was born. <laughs> and uh, you were you were an intern at the New York Times. And we'll talk about that later in the show because the section that you were inter intern with no longer exists. But we'll right. talk about that later. But no, man, I'm so proud of you, man. You've, uh, man, you just had a great career. And the career... Uh, unfolds. I mean, you keep going. And and uh, I know that's one of the things that the fellows want to talk to you. You've got a book coming out. Uh, the hottest story in college football uh, is one Deion Sanders. And uh, you tell us about your, I mean, you, you're, you're doing a book with Deion. It's going to come out, I think, in October. Is that correct? Yeah, it's it's, it's called Primetime, Deion Sanders and the Making of Men. And it's, uh, it's my journey uh, following Jackson State through the 2022 season. It's it literally starts uh, media day, SWAC Southwestern Athletic Conference media day in August, and it goes all the way through uh, that wild um, 
championship game celebration bowl in uh, December. And then uh, I pop in for a chapter just to say, hey, an epilogue. Here's here, here's what happened in Jackson State when he left. Here's what happened in Colorado when he showed up. But the, the book is about the season and the twists and turns of the season. And, uh, you know, just the uh, all the excitement that went into it from game day uh, to Good Morning America showing up. Uh, I mean, it was a wild season, man. And uh, I've covered football primarily since 1995, uh, starting with the, most of that with the Dallas Cowboys. And as I told Dion a couple times, I've been around football a lot. I know the game, but to get it up close and personal like that, it's just a whole different experience. And so uh, we put all that into the book. And uh, it's coming out October 10th. Pre-order it now. Um, <laughs> wherever you get your books at Target, Walmart, Barnes & Noble, wherever. It'll be audio book on Audible. And uh, it's, uh, it's a, I, I've written three books. I call that the first real book I've written. And so it's quite an experience. And um, I'm looking forward to doing it again. Yeah, who's, who's doing the, who's doing the, uh, the audio? Who's reading? Uh, you know, I got to find his name. But here's, here's the cool thing is uh, they sent me five samples and I read it. I do a lot of audio books now because I live in Dallas and Dallas right. is a driving city. Yeah. And I recognized, I didn't know that I didn't recognize the names, but I recognized the voices when I heard them because right. I listened to so many books. And so the one I ended up picking, uh, cause they gave me five options, said pick one and we'll take that into consideration. That ended up being the one that they went with. Uh, great, great. I'm glad you said that. And by the way, this is going to be my last question. I want to turn this over to Takir, <laughs> Lawrence, and Cameron to pepper you with questions, but I got tons of them because uh, I've been on this deal. But when you started this journey with Dion back at Jackson State, uh, could you envision where it is like now, this we're talking about in the middle of September of 2023, and he's become the epicenter of college football? Could you have envisioned that? No. Um, and it's really wild how it happened. Uh, I'm trying to figure out where to go. It, you know, I was really, I had, uh, and, and this is where it comes in, when, when ultimately what I'll tell y'all is that what you want to do while you're in college right now uh, is become as versatile as you can be. Yeah. Um, which is amazing because when I was at Ohio State, they literally, we had to pick. You either write, you do radio, or you do TV. Never shall they ever mix. And huh. now you can't get a job unless you can mix them up. And so what happened was during COVID, there's a point to this story. But what happened is during COVID, uh, I was working out with a buddy of mine. And I was just thinking that, you know, they're not playing any sports right now. Because I had a radio show at the time on uh, ESPN Radio daily radio show, four hours. Uh, and I had just uh, I had just gotten laid off from uh, my job. Well, what do you call it? Contract dispute or layoff or they want you to take a pay cut and do the same work. It's all, you're not working there no more. Uh, from the NBC, the local NBC affiliate where I was covering the Cowboys. So I was down to one job. And I was like, they're not playing sports. They're not selling tickets. They're not doing ads on the radio. Where's the revenue coming from? I need to get something just in case. I need to figure out what to do just in case this thing falls apart and I look up and I don't have a job. And so I decided to start the, uh, I was telling my friend, I said, you know what, man? I think I can write people's love stories and make money from it. Mm -hmm. And so that was really the genesis of the JJT Media Group, of which I'm president of now. 
And so to make a long story short, I wrote, I, I happened to be going to a wedding that night. And uh, I told my ex, I was like, hey, uh, don't buy him a gift. I'm going to write the love story for a gift. So when mm -hmm. I got back from the honeymoon, interviewed him, wrote the love story, called my high school journalism teacher and said, here's what I'm trying to do to present it. Do you know a website or a plex, you know, some kind of app that'll do it? And she took a look at it and she said, oh, I can do that for you in 30 minutes. I said, you mm -hmm. hired. So I hired my high school journalism teacher to do it. She laid it out. I presented it to them. I took a video of it when I did it. And they loved it, put it on Facebook. And I had nine orders like a couple of days later. Mm. So I go, OK, boom, I'm good with that. So so I was doing my own thing is what I'm saying as I get to Dion. And so I was doing some work with ESPN and Anscape. And my uh, my editor called and said, hey, Dion's going to Jackson State. Do you know him from the Cowboys? I go, oh, yeah, that's my boy. I ain't talked to him in about a year and a half, a couple of years. Let me see if his numbers work. Because, you know, celebrities change their numbers all the time. Right. Or they got four or five phones, and you don't know if you got the one that's, that's currently hot. Right. Um, and so uh, I couldn't get it. I didn't have I didn't have a good number for him. But I told him, and here's where my son comes into play. I said, oh, I don't have a number for him, but my son's football team plays his football team in two weeks. Mm -hmm. So I'll get to the game early. I'll go down on the field because uh, I was doing radio broadcast. That's how big it is. I was doing radio broadcast mm -hmm. for my son's high school football team. I was I was a sideline guy. And um I went down there before the game, waited him out. He was like, Dog, where you been? I ain't heard from you. Da, da, da. And it started from there. And that day he told me, he said, Don't tell nobody yet, but Shadur is coming with me. Mm -hmm. I said, now you know I am a reporter. I was like, cool, when can I write that? He's like, check back with me in about a week. And I said, all right. Mm -hmm. Uh so anyway, that was the first story I wrote. Shadur is coming back with him to uh, Jackson State. Mm -hmm. And that that was uh that was their first year at Jackson State. And and uh Monique Jones had some foresight and she was like, you know, I think it's gonna be a big story. Why don't you just cover him like a beat going into yeah. year two? And I was like, cool, gotcha. And so it just kind of progressed from there and uh it blew up into this. And then what happened is Dion didn't have a lot of relationships with reporters. Mm -hmm. Um we, he and I obviously had a really good relationship. And so Sports Illustrated wanted to do a story on him and they couldn't really figure out anybody he would, you know, they could figure out who to get with him, who he would sit down with for a minute that they could get the kind of story that they wanted. And they ultimately called me and I was like, uh, yeah, that's cool. And so uh, I went and did it with him. And that story um, did really well. And two days after that story came out, man, uh, Harper Collins called and said, we've been trying to write a Dion book for a year. and We didn't know anybody who could do it. Will you do mm. it? And so I said, of course. I mm. said, but let me check with him and see, you know, if he's down with that. Right. And so it's really my book. It's not an in conjunction with Dion book. It's me. Oh, okay. But but he was like, yeah, I got you. Whatever you need, whatever kind of access you need, I got you. It's no big deal. You know, go do your thing. Hurry up, sign a contract for the change your mind. And, uh, you know, so and so I basically moved to Jackson in oh, August, stayed, wow. you know, for the most part until the end of the season. Wow. Wow. So uh, listen, to Kira, Cameron, Lawrence, please ask a question. But my last one. So this is back. I kind of miscast it. So this is really your book, because I said, yeah, it's not like one of those as told to Deion Sanders mm -hmm. as told to. It's really your book 
right? I, I don't want to put yeah. words in your mouth, but describe it. No, it's it's me taking you inside Jackson State's 2022 season. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, you see how Dion, why you see why he's successful because mm -hmm. it's the culture that that he creates. You you hear how the players buy in. Um, you hear how you hear how he touches players. You see why they respond. Uh, because I was in the meetings, I was on the sidelines, and as I go through it chronologically, week by week during the season, I'm telling you different stories of players on the team and why they connect with Dion. Because the thing about Dion is, man. I don't want to be too wild about this, but people are drawn to him. You know, they're just drawn to him, like the proverbial moth to a flame. And when I say they're drawn to him, there are countless stories. Uh, several of them are in the book. Uh, there's a grad assistant who said, I just want to, I just want to work with him. So he quit his job at a division three school as a coach, drove down in Kansas, drove down to Mississippi, didn't know nobody showed up on campus and said, how can I, how can I work with him? And they said, there is no way. And so he kept showing up every day, working at the liquor store, enrolled in school. And finally they said, okay, you can be on the video team. And, uh, but that's how bad he wanted to be as uh, the old Sam Cook song. He just wanted to touch the hem of the garment and, uh, and be in his presence. But there's several stories <clears throat> like you just want to be around him because he's so charismatic. And, uh, you know, they just want to be a part of it. So they do whatever. Fellows, mm. go. <laughs> Mr. Taylor, the English major in me is wondering, your book, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders and the Making of Men, what was your process in making it? Because you're a journalist, for one, you're a teacher. So how are you writing stories and writing this book at the same time? Well, that's a good question. I think, I think um, you, you know, one of the things that makes me a really good reporter is, I don't ever think that I know it all or even half of it. And so um, really the people I respect, the guy I respect the most, who I know a little bit, I don't know him real well, but I know him enough like I could text him and say, hey, how you doing? Is uh, Jeff Perlman. And he's really like the best guy right now, in my opinion, who writes sports biographies. Um, and so really I just Googled, I'm, I'm being straight up with it, I just Googled Jeff Perlman book writing process mm. and through tweets and and podcasts and everything else he got a lot of stuff out there so I just studied that listened to it and I tell people this all the time you can follow successful people and learn about their process but then you learn about their process and then you put your own spin on it and then you take it and make it your own so I got kind of a general way from him, but you know, when you're, when you're writing about a season, there's a little rhythm to it because there's games every week. And so um, I believe really, I'm gonna go back for a minute. When I got to high school, I wrote my first high school football story and my high school journalism teacher, yeah, the one I hired, she came up to me and she said, so you've done a lot of writing before. And I go, no. She said, you haven't? I go, no. She said, well, this is one of the best stories I've ever written from, I've ever read from high school kid. She said, so how, how'd you know how to do it? I said, oh, I really don't know other than it was Dallas in the 80s growing up. You had the Dallas Morning News in the morning and you had the Dallas Times Herald in the afternoon. As I've been reading the sports section, both papers every day since I was about eight years old. So I think I just did it by osmosis. I just figured out just how it's supposed to sound based on how I grew up reading the paper. So when you talk about 
writing this book, it was a little bit of osmosis in terms of, I said, here's how I think it should be done. And I sent my editor kind of like the first chapter. And I said, I don't really know what I'm doing, but this is kind of the way I'm going to attack it. What do you think? And she's like, oh my God, this is great. Yeah, go mm -hmm. ahead and do it like that. And I said, oh, okay. Um, so that that's uh, that's kind of the process. And the process is like this. You got a game, okay? And then you say, okay, so what's the, what is the, what's the, what's the, what's the approach to the game this week? The game this week is about whatever it is. Who are the key players in the game? It's not just the quarterback, but, you know, who are the key players in the game? And then what happens is you tell the story of the game and you say at one point, you know, Bill Roden made this great play. Okay. Then you dip off and you tell the audience, here's Bill Roden. Here's where he grew up. Here's this, here's that. Here's how he got to Jackson State. Then you dip back into the game and then, you know, something else may go on for another page or two. And you say, hey, Jacques Taylor made this great play and that's how they won. And then you dip over there and say, here's Jacques Taylor's story. And then you go back to the game and wrap it up. That's kind of the gist of it. Um, so that takes care of that. And then, you know, I'm a journalist, so I can multitask. So it's not hard for me to put that down for a day. And figure out like, oh, you know, I got to pay these bills for this month. So let me go right. write something for Anscape or right. Dallas Morning News or something else so that I can get paid. And you, you earlier you you kind of hinted at, you know, why he's successful in the culture that he built, um, him being Deion Sanders. And, you know, a lot of times he can he can quickly go viral these days just for some of the the pregame speeches or, you know, the 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 postgame conferences or anything that he says you know, that's kind of inspirational, but is there anything in the book that kind of captures him in a sense um, that that national media doesn't see? Well, I mean, I think the thing about Dion, the reason why Dion, uh, all that stuff works is, is authentic. It's not fake. It's not pre-planned. It's authentic. And it's, um, and you know, that he has a lot of critics because he's a polarizing person. You know, people either love him, like him, or they despise him. Uh, like I was reading, uh, I heard something last week on local Dallas radio and they were talking about him. And they were talking about the cheap shot that the kid at Colorado State took on Travis Hunter. Yeah. And and radio hosts were like, well, you know, sometimes we're not, we're not uh, condoning what the kid did. It was a dirty play. But sometimes when your team showboats a lot and you do this and you do that, other guys get tired of it and they take shots at your players. And I was like, if you watch the games, you know, Dion is not his persona. He's an old school coach. And so the last thing his teams ever do is showboat and show off. They have fun. Mm -hmm. They play with exuberance. But if you go, if you really look at them play, there's not a lot of, like, he'll pull you off the field for that. They had a kid who was defensive player of the year in the sweat who played for him, who did something. It wasn't quite as egregious as that, but it was a late hit personal file and he snatched him off the field for a, for a quarter or just about a quarter mm -hmm. because he's an old school guy. He believes the game should be played a certain way. And so the reason he can go viral and do all that stuff is one, he's got charisma Two, um, those things just pop in his head and three, he's really authentic about it. So it's not like it's a pre-planned pre-packaged thing. It's just him being him. I mean, that's his gift. Is there anything? I mean, you you've been you've been covering him since he played. Uh, is there anything once you got this kind of access that surprised you about him? 
uh, something that you that you uh, I think just the uh, I think the uh, the extent to how much he really cares about his players. Like a lot right. of cats say they care about their players, right. but and 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 the stories I got about him caring about his players came from who? They ain't come from him. <laughs> they came from the players. Hmm. Like you know. Um, it's, I mean, it's just kept like this is a story I like to tell best because I think it just says something. Uh, he had a uh, there's a quarterback on the team because I used to ask all the guys this because Jackson State uh, was nobody's at that for this particular team. Very few players was this your dream spot, your destination where you wanted to go. So mm -hmm. I used to ask guys all the time, how you get to Jackson State? And I was talking to this white quarterback named Grace. So how you get to Jackson State, Grace? Uh, Coach Prime, really? Yeah, me and Shadour played on the same seven on seventeen. Oh, okay. So I'm asking him about that, and he's and this is the story he told me. So you got two quarterbacks on a seven on seven team, and Dion had about three teams at the time. One quarterback supposed to play first and third. Another quarterback supposed to play second and fourth. Now Dion is like a teacher, and I say it like this. You know how you had them teachers who they'd be writing on the chalkboard or the blackboard or doing mm -hmm. whatever, and you do something, they say, hey, what are you doing back there, little boy? Stop it. And you're like, how in the world did they see me do that? Well, Dion is like that. So uh, the game is going on, and after the game, uh, he goes up to Grayson and he says, hey, I'm sorry that the coach didn't put you in there when it was your turn to play because coach was trying to win the game instead of develop the player. He said, so I'm sorry about that. I'm, I'm sorry it happened. It won't ever happen again. I'm putting you on, on my team with Shadur, so I know you're going to get your two quarters to play. <laughs> and he called the dude's dad, and he said, hey, Mr. So-and-so, I'm very sorry what happened to Grayson today, uh, but don't worry about it. It'll never happen again. I put him on my team. He's going to play whenever he's supposed to play, first and third, second and fourth, with Shadur. So we got that taken care of. Don't worry about it. So Grayson gets home. Daddy says, hey, let me talk to you. I talked to Coach Prime today. Grace is like, I hadn't done anything. I didn't do anything to get in trouble. I, what's it all about? He's, and so he repeats a story to him. He goes, oh, wow, okay, cool. But that's the kind of guy he is. Like, if he didn't do that, nobody would think about it. Nobody would care. But he's all about doing what you're supposed to do, uh, being fair, and uh, giving people opportunities and then what they do with the opportunity, that's on them. But I'm going to give you this opportunity. I'm going to make sure you get an opportunity. Uh, I saw him walk up to a guy in, in the hallways and say, you've been saying you want a chance to do something on special teams. I just talked to the special teams coach. They got you on special teams this week. Go make a play. And then he turned around and left. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he does stuff like that all the time. They're leading Russian last year, Sivion Wilkerson. He's at Colorado right now. He transferred in from Delaware State, started off fifth stream. And then I watched him for a couple practice, said, this dude bringing it. Move him up to third stream. Mm -hmm. Then watched him practice a couple more times, said, this dude bringing it. Let him run with the ones a couple times. Let me see what he got. Next thing you know, Savion was starting. Mm -hmm. And it's because in practice, he was doing that thing. And uh, Dion wanted to reward him because he rewards hard work. And so... You know, I think the thing that uh, that I find out is just that, uh, you know, he's really authentic with the players and he's all about opportunity and you can really thrive 
if you if you if you choose to go get it. And he'll encourage you to go get it, but he can't make you go get it. That has to be something that's uh, that's inside you to go get it. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting how you kind of talk about like Dion's authenticity, and I wonder if that can kind of be translated, you know, to the journalism side because especially sports journalism, like it's very competitive. You know, a lot of people, you know, want to be involved in it. And is there a way where you feel like we can be authentic as journalists, but, you know, still have a certain level of credibility and what ways can we stand out now, especially with it's arguable that, you know, the industry is changing. Like Mr. Roden brought up earlier with, you know, New York times cutting out their sports division. Um, you know, that's, I tell, uh, I tell the students in my class this, and this is what Dion is. Dion is unapologetically himself. Um, I am, for a large degree, just who I am. And you can get down with that or you can not get down with that. Uh, but I am who I am. And so the reason me and Dion have gotten along over the years is I'm just me. I don't try to be somebody else. I'm not trying to be Stephen A. Smith and shout it from the rooftops. I'm just me because ultimately, if your work is good, your work will shine somewhere. Um, you know, so you just have to be yourself. You have to, you have to find your niche. You have to find out how you how you rock, and then just be you. Um, and I've done several things to make myself me. Like when I was a young reporter, uh, most reporters when I was a young guy showed up to work in jeans and a t-shirt maybe a golf shirt, jeans and a t-shirt, tennis shoes. I show up in a shirt and tie. Why? So I would look different. If I look different, somebody go ask, why are you dressed like that? <laughs> That's just how I get done. You know, and then when guys started dressing differently, I started wearing um, these shirts that do, by a designer named Robert Graham. And they cost about somewhere between $150, $300, depending on which one you get or whatever. But I liked them because you can wear them anywhere, meaning you can wear them with jeans and you look like you were doing something. And then if you left work and went to happy hour before you went to a Mavericks game or something, you could fit in anywhere. But right. then the shirts were so nice and so out there that the athletes started calling me cuffs or referring to me as cuffs here and there because they got these fancy cuffs on the end. But again, it's really to stand out. And then at the end, you know, I was wearing suits and stuff. and But some of that is wardrobe to make you fit in. But when I say I'm, I'm, I'm myself, you know, my brand is probably truth and honesty and no BS. That's probably my brand. So I'm talking to Eddie George one day. And uh, Eddie George, it was, it was a small group. And then it was just me and him. And he's like, you know, this is why I don't really like talking to media, you know, because the media had written something he didn't like. And I said, uh, oh, I said, mm -hmm. check this out, dog. Uh, you beat your wife? He looked at me like, no problem, man. I said, just work with me. Nah. I said, all right, you use, uh, you use cocaine on uh, in the off season? He's like, nah. I said, well, surely you cut up, you, you must use steroids. He's like, nah, dog. I said, oh, I said, but that's what athletes do, man. Well, I'm not like that. I said, oh, so you're not like everybody, all these other athletes. I said, well, I'm not like all these other journalists, dog. I'm just me. So you either get down with me or you don't. But don't be lumping me with everybody else, and I won't lump you with everybody else. And he started laughing, 
And that's why he dapped me up every time he see me not. Hmm. But that's an example of you just being you and calling guys and making them understand that I'm an individual. I'm not part of the media. I'm just me. And you either like me, you don't like me, it's all good. But I'm just me. And so if you're you and you do what you do, that's how you stand out. And, you know, the most important thing I tell people, my students, about building relationships, because it's all a relationship business, is I build relationships by not talking about sports. Like, I connect with people on issues other than sports. A lot of times I connect, I mean, not their sport. You know, if you're a big Lakers fan, I go talk to you about the Lakers. Um, you know, a lot of these guys play video games. I talk to them about video games. Uh, a lot of them in the music. Hey, dog, you down with Young Boy or Dirt? Who you who you rock with? Oh, you know about them? Hey, yeah, man, that drill music Young Boy put out man, it's too it's too much for me. Why that boy I'm mad all the time? And then they start laughing. Now we talk, and we do that for a while. Now, oh, a couple couple times later, yo, I got one football question for you. Explain this to me, so I make sure I get it right. Boom. Now we vibing. Now we good. So. You know, it's a relationship business. And once you understand it's a relationship business, you just go about the business of creating relationships. And every relationship you create is different because every person is different. And uh, I put on a class. I was I was really showing off in the locker room, in the Cowboys locker room the other day because they had some young PR people. I said, let me show you all how a veteran works. And so uh, everybody was over somewhere. And, you know, it's 35 reporters over there talking to somebody. And I went to go talk to Stefan Gilmore, who's one of the starters. And just as I wrapped up with him, the group saw he was talking, so he came over here. So I dipped back to where they had just left and got that guy for about two or three minutes by myself. And I just kept doing that in the locker room. And I came back and said, see, young people, that's a master class on how to work the locker room and get your own information in a, in a, mo in a time where you're like, well, you can't get no one-on-one -on -one interviews because everybody's in the locker room all at the same time. It's about understanding how to work with the system and not being afraid to be over there by yourself uh, while the group is over here because you feel like you're missing something because you ain't never going to miss nothing that's that big. So anyway, that's a long answer to, to your question. Great answer. Uh, what what about, I know I was going to have two more questions and we're going to let you out of here, but that we can't let this opportunity go. I guess when I was, you know, when, when uh, Cameron talked about the change in industry, I keep going back to the times, you know, uh, basically disbanding the sports staff and now bringing in the under the um, uh, the athletic. And I guess what I've been trying to think of, man, is how and, and this is for, for for Lawrence and generation should we begin thinking, changing our attitude about how we cover sports? You know, how do we is this? How do we cover sports uh, now? How should we cover sports now? Um, you know, all the teams have their own websites. Uh, all the athletes have their own their own thing. So, you know, and so there are two questions. How should we look at sports journalism now? And for their generation, who's just getting into the business, what should they be doing? You know, you teach at SMU, right? Yeah, yeah. I, just had, I just had one of my students hit me up there yesterday asking me some stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they, I, but anyway, uh, my approach is this. There will always be a need for content, always, mm -hmm. always. People need their story told. There will always be people who excel at telling stories. Those people 
like we can all talk to the same person. I'm gonna give you 10 minutes with Dak Prescott. I'm gonna give everybody 10 minutes with Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. And when I come out and what I put together, somebody gonna be like, how in the hell did he do that? We all had 10 minutes. How did he get that? And so the way I think you have to think is, how can I be a great storyteller? And the way you become a great storyteller to me is not about flowery words and prose and all this stuff. The way you become a great storyteller is to do what young people today don't want to do because they don't have the attention span to do it. The way you become a great storyteller these days is is two things. You read a lot and study a lot. And number two, you become a superior interviewer. Hmm. Most people are terrible interviewers. And here's what I mean. Like the trick, and, and I learned this from covering the Cowboys. Go do a story on Michael Irvin. Yeah, how the hell am I supposed to find out something new about Michael Irvin who had, had 10,000 stories written about him? Right. So a lot of times what you do, when I say you do the research, you read. And say you read three stories about Michael Irvin, and there's one line in the story that says, Michael Irvin liked to go fishing with his daddy right. as a kid. That's the only line in the story. Every other story is about this, that. You read three or four stories. There's one line in one of those stories about Michael Irvin like to go fishing with his granddad. Okay, let me dig into that and see if there's a story there. But then the interviewing part, you have to train yourself to be a great interviewer. It just don't happen. I interview people all the time on the street when I'm waiting. I'm at the dentist's office. I interview, and they don't know what I'm doing. I was checking in at the Cowboys last week. And the dude was missing half his thumb. And it was a slow time. And I, I sat there for about 30 seconds and said, okay, I can't help myself. What happened to your friend? Uh, accident. I said, cleaning a gun? Yeah, how you know? Hey, man, my daddy must put a big old hole in the roof with a shotgun uh, trying to clean his gun. Yeah. I didn't do it. I didn't put a hole in the roof. I put a hole in my thumb trying to clean that gun. And he told me the whole story. And I left satisfied that I had interviewed that man in about three minutes and got the story about how his finger got blown off. And so what I'm saying is, and I, I tell people this, you know, when you interview for purpose, you take people where they can't go. So this book is a lot about taking people where they can't go. Details, conversations. See, I ask you, Hey, what'd you have for dinner? Oh, I had a steak, some mashed potatoes, and some green beans. Most people were right, said Taylor, who had steak, mashed potatoes, and green beans for dinner. No, you have a New York strip, you have a filet mignon, you have a ribeye, because they all smell different, they all taste different. Oh, I had a ribeye. You have fresh mashed potatoes, where they got the skin on the Idaho potato in them, where they instant. How'd you have them prepared? Were they thick? Were they lumpy? Were they creamy? Oh, no, man. It was creamy with some parsley on top and a little pat of butter. Oh, okay. Now, what kind of green beans? You had Jolly Green Giant green beans. You had French cut green beans with some spices on them. Yeah. So that's a lot different than he had steak, mashed potatoes, and green beans than he had a medium well, a medium rare ribeye 
with garlic mashed potatoes and some French cut green beans. You've painted a much different picture while you're explaining the same thing. Now imagine doing that 12, 15, 20, 30 different times during the piece. All of a sudden your piece is out here like this and somebody else's piece is like that. And y'all had access to the same thing, but because you're interviewing with purpose and you're going into it with a different purpose to take people where they can't go is different. Hey man, he, he was yelling at me. He was mad at me. I tell my students all the time, he was mad at you. He was, that's what you wrote. Well, how come you, how, how do you know he was mad? Oh, he took off his hat and slammed it down and then turned the table over. Well, that's what you should have wrote that. But what was the conversation he had with you while he was yelling at you? You got to take people to all these places where they can't go. Most people don't do that. If you train yourself to think like that and you do that on a regular basis, then your stories have considerably more depth than everybody else's stories. And when they have more depth, they just read better, they feel better. And, um, you know, they go over better and that leads to more opportunities down the road. But it takes time and effort to do that. And you have to go into it knowing that that's your purpose is to ask. Because when I was writing a book, I was telling people all the time, and I'm going to bug you with details, man. <clears throat> I'm going to call you back and ask you detail after detail. Just work with me. Just, just help me out and work with me. And you'll like the finished product because you give me all these details. Got one more question before we wrap it up. Um, with you being basically an inside source on Dion, how do you think this this story ends for him? Um, I think uh, you know, I think it's going to end with him. Uh, he really likes coaching kids, college kids, and so um, you know, Dion doesn't necessarily like change per se. Um, and so I think he will be. If here's the deal, he wants to win. He likes to win. He enjoys winning. If he believes that Colorado offers everything that allows him to win from facilities to players to everything, then he'll stay at Colorado until he's tired of coaching. If he gets to a certain level and he says, you know, there's something I need to win that you can't offer, if they can go get it, then I think he'll stay. Uh, I don't think he has any, I don't think he's in any hurry to leave. You know, and what you have to understand with him and what I tell people all the time is money doesn't motivate everybody. It motivates a lot of people. It motivates most people. So you say, well, what if Alabama offered him 20 million? The key question is, would that 20 million change the way he lives? And the answer would be no. It wouldn't change it at all. He's been living like this for the last 30 years. And so, you know, he gets excited by opportunities and experiences. Money, he likes money, but He's in a situation where he can make as much money as he chooses to make through speaking and endorsements. I mean, literally, he can make as much money as he would like to make on a given year. So money doesn't motivate him. So um, I'm interested to see. But I think here's the bottom line. I think his teams will ultimately compete for championships. I don't know if they'll win, but I think ultimately his teams will compete for championships because of this. What do you need to win? Players. I asked his son, Shiloh. Uh, one time, because I thought it was funny. To, uh, I walked up on Shiloh, because I never forget it, because he was eating a salad. I said, hey, dog, I got a quick question for you. Uh, why does your dad win every team he's ever coached? And he eating a salad, and he looked up, and he said, because he always got the best players. Like, why do you think he wins? And so it was just, um, it was just funny to me. But because he can recruit, because he's charismatic, because it's fun to play there, 
but they work, but it's there's a lot of fun that goes into the program. You know, people gonna check it out. People gonna come want to play. And you know, the game's about players. And then he got good coaches on his staff. So you give good coaches good players, you can't help but win. That's gonna be all for today's episode. So thank you to our audience for tuning in for another podcast from the Roden Fellows. And I want to give a very special thank you to both Mr. Roden and Mr. Taylor for taking the time to be here with us tonight and sharing your expertise and experience. An extra thank you to Parker Owens and the ESPN Digital Audio Content Team. You can get all Roden Fellow podcasts and HBCU podcasts by subscribing to the Anscape Listen tab of the ESPN app. And make sure to join us next time for another HBCU podcast. And don't forget to go on the Anscape website and look at the latest news and insight.